0: Hello, and welcome to The Catholic Duluth Show. The Catholic Duluth Show is a parish community podcast serving the parishes of St. Lawrence and Holy Family in Duluth, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Daniel Roda, and with me I have Father Eli Gieske. How are you doing today, Father?
1: Good. Good to be here. Good to be with you.
0: Yeah, thank you for joining. Uh, we have a, a good amount of stuff going on this week. Yeah. Kind of, or at least in the, the next week week or two, yeah. uh, you know, we're getting to the end of November, Thanksgiving, coming into the first week of Advent, so uh, mm-hmm. it's kind of a, a f- fun time in the church. Yeah. Uh, getting ready. Getting
1: yeah. ready for Advent? Yeah, so um, I'll be gone on Friday, so we won't have Mass on Friday. I think there might be a funeral, but um, there's there's no Mass, the 8 o'clock Mass on Friday here at St. Lawrence is canceled, um, and we are going to take another week of distant faith formation next week. So we don't have it this week because it's Thanksgiving week, but next week we will have distant learning again. Um, We'll reevaluate and try to uh, determine. We're also waxing the floor so that had something to do with the situation. also helps. Yeah, we're like, well, it might be just easier. So um, what else? There were some other things we were going to say. I don't know. Life is... Kind of, we're just cruising along here and um, getting yeah. ready, getting ready for Advent.
0: Yeah, when I my memory is kind of escaping me, but have uh, does the litur- new, new liturgical, liturgical new year yeah. does it start on Sunday so or it's did, on
1: Saturday evening start, prayer one? Correct, technically. Correct, yeah. 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 So the vigil. Yeah.
0: So, so you know, you can have a little
1: New Year's party. New
0: Year's party <laughs> for the liturgical New Year.
1: Yeah that would be what is that uh, November 28th yeah
0: yeah and there is um uh this is kind of off the hip but there is a uh the, the the Christmas novena or it's not I guess it's not really a novena but the the Christmas novena type of prayer uh starts on I think it's the 27th
1: oh of of
0: uh of November November because it's, it starts on St Andrew's feast day which I think is oh, the twenty seventh, or maybe it's the, 30th. the 29th. ninth. thirtieth. So, so the, the Saint 30th. Andrew's the thirtieth. Yeah. Okay. So so next Monday, then. Yeah. Um, which I mean, you can find it online or something like that. But yeah. it's just a, a short little um, mm-hmm. prayer, and basically you just pray it every single day up into um, Christmas. Yeah. It's a nice little like Christmas, Christmas like ad- Advent sort yeah. of.
1: Kind of like an Advent calendar sort of thing. Yeah. 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 Thank yeah. you for being ready for Christmas.
0: Yeah. yeah. And I guess I don't know what, what that be called because it's novena type because you do it every day for yeah. a certain amount of time but yeah. novena nine days n- means nine days so maybe this is
1: <laughs> a derivation the advent christmas preparation novena or whatever how would you say 25 day whatever yeah
0: yeah, okay. yeah. but you can look into that that's that, that, that's something if you're looking for something to do for advent think you know that's always. Um, i've done that uh, i've done it successfully once but i've done parts of it multiple multiple other times
1: okay so cool
0: yeah um but but that's kind of a something that's coming up is changing the liturgical year yeah. which is always exciting
1: yeah no it, um i'm not huge into decorating but i know a lot of people are so we'll be changing the churches up a little bit colors and whatnot and actually tonight's topic for rcia um is part part of it at least is the liturgical year so i'll be talking about that tonight at that and um
0: yeah.
1: It's always those little things that we do to help us get in the mindset. So.
0: Yeah. And uh today uh we're going to be talking about liturgical prayer versus devotional prayer. So we'll we'll mm-hmm. get into that nice. and uh I mean, I think even liturgical living, celebrations, we've kind of talked about that a couple times, but I think that kind of forms into <laughs> uh these different kinds of of prayer, devotional versus liturgical. Uh, But before we get into that, Father, would you open us in a prayer?
1: Sure. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, we lift up to you all our needs. We pray for our parishioners in our cluster and in our diocese. We pray that you would uh, meet them where they are, help them to trust in you during these uncertain times. Help us to get into the uh, Advent season with a heart that is open to To walk with you to slow down a little bit from busy lives and to uh, to spend time pondering and preparing our hearts for the celebration of christmas hail mary full of grace the lord is with thee blessed Blessed art thou thou among women women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb jesus holy mary mother of god pray for us sinners sinners, now and at the hour of our death amen in the name of the father son and holy spirit amen
0: amen thank you father so yes today we are talking about liturgical prayer uh, versus domest- domestic prayer or devotional prayer, okay, uh, and not that they're going against each other, but maybe comparing, contrasting the two, sure. and um, m- trying to get a deeper understanding of how uh, we need both, mm-hmm. and and how we can fully live out both within our uh, maybe community church and our domestic church. Hmm.
1: Uh, yeah, these are good things to think about. Yeah, so liturgical prayer or The liturgy, um, we talk about that as being the the public work of the people in a sense. That's kind of, the the root of the word kind of talks about that, I guess. So the mass and then uh, the divine office actually are the two technical places in the church where we are doing liturgy. So the public work, the public uh, prayer of the people, you might say. And so it's... um, these prayers that we do all together as, as a faith community, as the body of Christ, um, we enter into them, we take part in them, they are bigger than ourselves, they are bigger than our domestic church, it's something that we have a liturgical calendar that we follow, um, and so forth. So, there is a sense where it's all together the Catholic Church is doing these two public prayers or these public work, You might, however you want to say it. Um, and it's very formalized. You know, there's certain things that we do. Uh, there's saints we celebrate on certain days. There's seasons of the year, these kinds of things. So it's it's very um, kind of rote, like this is what we do. And it's um, it's there for us. It's for us to enter into. But it's also uh, to nourish us in individually, but as as well as, as a whole. So um, that takes on a different character than our private devotions and our uh, but we can do devotions together, like uh, even as a parish, we can pray the Rosary before Mass, and that's something I would love to encourage at some point here. Um, or we can uh, we can do these novenas. We can um, we can offer prayer intentions. We can do scripture studies. All these ways of entering into prayer are good things, and like you said, we need both. So yeah, this is a good little area to try to figure out because sometimes, right, the temptation can be one or the other, like. Oh, mass is boring. Or I don't get anything out of it. Or um, let's make it more exciting. Let's let's do different things to make it more exciting. Like okay, there's there's certain things we can do. We can make the liturgy more elevated. Um, in certain sense, there should be sort of a texture of the liturgy, right? It's it should be. We should know when we are in Advent. We should know when we're in Christmas. We should know when we're in ordinary time just by the way the mass, the music, the prayers, and everything even the decorations. uh, All that stuff should kind of help us have that texture of the liturgical year. But we don't just say, well, you know, we're going to take out the creed, and we're going to take out the first reading, and we're going to put in a poem, or we're going to, you know, that sort of thing. You know, uh, there are churches, Christian churches, who are much more fluid in sort of their service, what it looks like. They don't do the Mass, but they do um, Christian service, so they might do some readings, or they might just, you know, they have a lot more flexibility in how they how they pray together. And sometimes as Catholics, we sometimes look at that and say, oh, I wish we had that, or I wish we could do that, or why can't we do that? And part of it is, it's not for us, it's for God, right? We're worshiping God, and so that's the place where we do that. Now, the devotion area, or the, the, the more subjective wor- uh, prayer and so forth, there's a lot more flexibility in there We could do those things we couldn't even gather at the church and say we're gonna we're gonna have a little Christmas choir concert that's focused on um, singing hymns and stuff or we're gonna have adoration or we're gonna we're gonna get together and do a Bible study These are things we can do as as Catholics even but sometimes um, because what we always do on Sunday is do the mass sometimes people get a little confused why do we always have to do that? Why can't we do these other things and it's like well, there's certain things that God asks us to do. And then there are certain things that we are encouraged to do. And these other things I would say we're encouraged to develop a, a a true spiritual life, but um, then we have to also do what God asks us to do. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. And there's, uh, this, uh, well, he, he was a priest and, uh, his name is Romano Gardini. And he, uh, he wrote a couple, uh, Books in the early uh, 1900s, and he's uh, from what I understand, he was very influential on Pope Benedict the Sixteenth. Yeah, and um, and he and and some of this is kind of coming from his writings, and he's uh, he goes on and he kind of explained it as uh, kind of objective or subjective prayer, and I and I thought that kind of helped strip it down a little bit and -hmm. um, just like kind of made a lot of sense that like objective. Objective prayer, which would be the liturgical prayer, is kind of the the prayer that just is whether kind of no matter where we're at, mm-hmm. it's the same. Mm-hmm. Whereas the subjective kind of more caters towards what we need and where we're at. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that like does make a lot of sense, especially when you talk about uh, the universal church, because, uh, yeah, like there th- there is to a certain extent like, you know, different uh, – countries have maybe a little different flavor or texture as you said to the mass mm-hmm. uh, but for the most part if you go anywhere in the world and attend a catholic mass you know what's going on mm-hmm. even if it's in a different language and that's kind of part of the reason right but that there was a universal kind of church language which mm-hmm. was latin mm-hmm. was that you could go to you know jamaica and yeah it'd be the exact same mass as if you went to mass in Russia, right? Right. right. Uh, which, uh, to kind of have that very objective liturgy, which now, I mean, it's a little different now, but at the same time, even without knowing what they're saying, you can know what they're saying.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can have your little Magnificat there and read right along with them as they're speaking yeah. in Japanese or whatever their, whatever language it is. And yeah. I had that experience many times when I was in, over in Europe studying over there because we'd go on a trip and you know, you don't find too many English masses in some of these places, so you just go with where, wherever whatever they're doing there. So, um, but yeah, I know that there's something beautiful about that, um, and I've I've even heard like other pastors from other churches or people who are not Catholic talk about this. Like, you know, it gets hard to invent the wheel as a as a pastor if you're the leader of this little community church, and you're like, now we're gonna look at the bo- book of. Um, you know the prophet Isaiah. That's what we're gonna. I'm gonna preach on this for the next until we get through this. And it's like, okay, you know that that's fine. That's great. But it's all. It's very subjective up to that pastor to kind of say, well, I'm just gonna do this. And so, for good or for ill, the the church kind of gives us the readings to reflect on. It gives us uh, the prayers to to pray. Um, there's certain things that are that are fluid. But for the most part, there's a structure that we follow. And in a way, it allows us all to be free to enter into it, because it's not like, oh, Father's on this tangent again. I mean, we can in the homily do that, right? But hopefully the the homily has something to do with the readings, so it's kind of a reflection of the readings, and where, where connecting the readings to our lives, hopefully to some degree. But um, it kind of keeps the train on the tracks, in a sense, instead of like, okay, this person who's leading our church Is going through a hard time, and so the rest of us are going through a hard time too with them. In a sense, like that's where they are, so we're all there. The church is has the texture of the year to kind of bring us through the seasons and allow us to experience um, all those parts of the year in an appropriate way. So, I think that's a big benefit of having the liturgical year, the calendar, and the subject or the objective and the subjective separated. You know so we we are encouraged and really need to develop a subject of prayer life um but also to participate in the object of worship uh, in the church so
0: yeah, and I feel like it it's almost uh as if the kind of objective part is the part that is like you know that's like the foundation mm-hmm. um and I guess also at the same time it's like the height. So it's like k- kind of what we aim towards but it's also like the most like foundational thing mm-hmm. that we have. So it kind of keeps us in place. Uh kind of like what you're saying with maybe some different denominations they kind of go wherever the where kind of spirit moves them. <laughs> wherever the spirit moves them <laughs> wherever like kind of the, the pastor's at that's kind of where mm-hmm. they're going. Mm-hmm. Where here it's very kind of structured mm-hmm. and uh and very much to kind of keep us like on this very specific path and then uh, at the same time gives us all these really awesome tools and different resources to be able to go and to have our own uh, kind of subjective that spirituality and to to live that out in the way that uh, we need as as an individual whereas the you know objective is more the kind of
1: community-focused. Right, right. No, it's. I think in any given time, and I think everybody knows this, but we don't always see it it, in the same way that maybe the staff in a parish or the pastor in a parish does. Any given time, you have people in your community who are uh, mourning the loss of a loved one, who are celebrating some great thing in their life, a new birth or a marriage or whatever, you know, something joyful. Uh, You have people who are... Uh, have been in a long, dark time where they've been dealing with depression. You have people who have been um, really growing and on fire for their faith. So you have, any given Sunday, you have people in your pew who are very different places. And so they each are kind of, in a a way, dealing with their own spiritual life in a very different way. Uh, But to come together, to, to pray together, and to have this time together where we are Praying in union together and praying the same prayers, saying the same things, it's very unifying. It's it's something where we come together from the midst of wherever we wherever we are, and we share in this this liturgical act of praying to God and worshiping God. And so, it's a very beautiful thing when you reflect on that to think that we're all together in this moment uh, versus kind of all doing our own separate thing. So,
0: yeah, and I think. I think that's something that we can grow to appreciate, and and uh, also for us to know that, like, that, like even though the liturgy is objective by nature, that doesn't mean that it always is in practice, right? <laughs> yeah, right. That's good. It's very good point, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, because because like there is that reality that you know you can go to a different church and like sometimes the mass looks very different mm-hmm. even though mm-hmm. it doesn't it yeah. shouldn't so if you go to we could we could we could be very particular here
1: if you go to St. Ben's in Duluth you have a very different experience of the mass versus here like St. Lawrence or even between the two parishes here in our own cluster that are both active uh St. Lawrence and Holy Family the feel of the liturgy is a little bit different you know and um you go to the cathedral even the architecture of a building says a lot of how you experience the mass and and sort of um so yeah there's 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 those elements that enter in um, we if we were being very technical and very what's the word stuck up I guess in in our saying we, we these are the accidents of the mass so they're the things that that aren't essential in the sense of the whether mass is valid or not, whether it's uh, Jesus comes to us in the Eucharist or not, but they're the things that make it beautiful or make it uh, have a different feel to it. So the building that we're in, the music that we sing, the even the presider's style to some degree, whether it's very like personal to him, like almost distracting it can be sometimes, like this way the priest sa- says the Mass versus it's very, he strives for, and this is kind of what I strive for, I don't know if I succeed, to make it like, let's not have the focus be the Father and how his, his little idiosyncrasies or whatever, you know, we've all been to a mass where the, where the priest is, maybe a good priest, but he—it's—you're it, you, so caught off by the way he celebrates mass that it's—it's it's kind of distracting from like prayer. And I suppose if you get used to it, you—you you can look past that. But sometimes it's whether it's his cadence or his uh, just his way of dealing with stuff. It can be very difficult to enter into the public part of the mass instead of like just being like shocked by father's antics up on the altar or whatever that is yeah. so yeah
0: yeah and i i think so- sometimes yeah that's i've been caught off guard a couple of times just like if the priest doesn't do what they're supposed to do they're supposed to do <laughs> yeah <laughs> and yeah. uh and, and and not necessarily always in a bad way but uh cuz uh, like there is something like like a dynamic of the mass that's just very formal mm-hmm. and so at times, if it's like informal, just like wait, what are we like? I it's like I, I know what to do, and I don't think this is what we're supposed to do. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It's just uh, when
1: when father comes, like some priests, and I think Father Ryan was probably more this way. Would preach not from the pulpit, but you know, go walking around yeah, and stuff. Yep. Like some people love that, and other people hate that. And there I mean, the rubrics I think say you can preach from the chair or from the pulpit or from some other appropriate place or something like that. So there's, there's a little bit more vagueness than, than it used to be. It used to be you had to preach from the pulpit or from the chair. But um so like for a school mass, I, I would oftentimes go down and talk to the kids and stuff like that, but I don't do that on Sundays typically. Uh, but you know, that kind of thing can throw people off if you're not if you're not expecting it. It's like, "Oh, here he comes. Yeah. He's asking us questions and oh, you know, it's going to be a little Difficult for people, and or you know, we're, we're if we're used to a certain thing, then we can get thrown off. And instead of being prayerfully entering into the mass, all of a sudden
0: we're like dealing with like, this is uncomfortable. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. which uh, I know for me too. I have a cut, and so like some other people might have this. There's like a couple things in the mass that we're very like particular about, like yeah. what we like. Yeah, and i'm i'm'm I'm trying to like work on that because yeah. i 'cause it is something where it's, yeah. <laughs> it's like man, if this isn't this way, then I will like focus on it and yeah. then it and it it drives me like out of the mass and' yeah. like it's like, yeah. oh, that's kind of like that's like yeah, maybe it's not like perfect sure. but at the same time sure. it like i I let it affect me, yeah,
1: yeah, and yeah. we all have those little triggers, right yeah. oh, they used incense, I don't like incense, or I love when they use incense or uh that mural that they have on the back wall it's just too much I don't you know we can get caught into these little things that maybe we shouldn't but we just on a human level they're the accidents of the mass but they affect us right
0: yeah and I I think that that's why it is nice that we do have like that structure and when it is like followed correctly Mm -hmm. I think it's you know over thousands of years of practice it's like hey this is what helps people for the most part you know like help um enter into the mass. Right, right. right. Yeah, there, there's there's something. So people will
1: talk about, oh, mass is so boring because it's the same, we say almost the same words every mass. And so it's kind of boring, you know, but there's something to um, a structure that allows you freedom within the structure. Um, Bishop Barron, I think it talks about like learning a game. If you know the game of basketball or the game of golf or whatever, you don't want to be focused on like, what's the structure of the game or how does it work? You, you want to play the game. You want to enjoy the game. And so, if you're if you're focused on what the structure is, or like trying to reinvent it all the time, and say like, okay, now let's do like this. Let, let's let's add this little rule or what. Let's you you're always learning the game, and you're never playing the game. So it's kind of like that. I would say for us as Catholics, when it comes to the, the liturgy, we want to learn how to do the liturgy, so that within the liturgy itself, I can actually pray. I can actually connect with God. I can actually focus on not how. Good or bad the music is or how good or bad the homily is or how good or bad if, it, if there's if it's following a certain structure and within the bounds of what is asked presumably it gives people freedom within that to, to just enter into the mass and what we're actually saying and what we're actually doing so that we can internalize the words that we're saying rather than just saying them we can internalize the action of what's happening that we're entering into the sacrifice of the mass we're praying here um there can be something that we enter into versus just on on the exterior on the on the surface what's actually happening in front of me and so i think that reflection um we don't always remember that but that's kind of the 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 plan of the church i think is to make it have the liturgy be celebrated in such a way that it gives freedom to for the individual to enter into what is actually happening versus just always focusing on like well what's going to happen now because everything's different you
0: know yeah yeah, and then and then from there, once we're, to, I guess, we're, to a certain extent, like comfortable, like we're able to actually like be like fully present and participate. Right. Right. We, we, which was, I guess, which is, I mean, that was the big thing, or one of the big things from Vatican II. Yeah. And especially for kind of changing everything from Latin to, uh, I guess, the official language, mm-hmm. is to help people to actually participate more. Yeah. And so if you know what's going on you're able to participate which i think when you get to that point it's kind of up to us to act be active in the participation or passive in the participation which at that point i guess isn't participation (laughs) but um but there is i guess that part that really does rely on us to like take that step Mm
1: -hmm. yeah yeah you you bring up an interesting thing that many people have talked about which is the the phrase was from one of the vatican documents i forget which one but active participation in the mass what does that even mean like yeah is that because to some degree some people took that as like well that's why we have eucharistic ministers now and that's why we have lectures now and that's why we have um like we're trying to find things for the laity to do in the mass and okay like these these roles are super helpful sometimes like when they're needed but sometimes people can take it as like, well, if I'm not a Eucharistic minister, or if I'm not in the choir, or if I'm not in the, um, you know, if I'm not lecturing or whatever, if I'm not doing these things, then I'm not fully participating. And that's not the case. Like, we can be perfectly and fully participating in the Mass by just sitting in the pew, participating, listening, singing if we have the ability to sing, praying the prayers if we know the prayers. Um, That's full participation. Like, what, what they were getting at even more than an exterior thing was this interior connection, like I'm actually praying, I'm actually connected to what is what is happening in the Mass. And so I think sometimes that phrase of active participation has been misunderstood uh, to both degrees, whether it means I, I need to be doing something rather than nothing, uh, focusing on the interior, or I'm just so focused on the interior that I... I don't even, I'm not even aware of what the greater picture is around me. So I think it's a, it's both and. So, yeah, it's a, it's a good little, we could talk more about that, but.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was, uh, I was thinking kind of preparing to this. I was like, oh, it'd be actually kind of fun to go through like the Vatican II documents on like a podcast. Yeah. I mean, it might take a couple, but it was yeah. like, yeah, it would be kind of fun. Yeah. There I, I don't know if that's mo- most idea, people's idea of fun, but. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, lovely. That's right. Let us read this document from
1: front to cover, and we'll discuss it. Yeah, that's wonderful, Father. Good idea. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think people would enjoy that. There, I think it would be enjoyable to the degree that um, people sometimes are unaware of what these documents said, or what they have. We all have perceptions of what they have said, but do we actually know what they really say? And and what was the context and everything? So I think it would be helpful to some degree. You know, I've, I've gone through different documents uh, with parishioners in the past, not at this parish assignment, but in other times. And, and people usually find it very interesting to kind of sit down and say, oh, what does it actually say? And how are we following that or, or not following it now? So, yeah.
0: Yep. And I think that's kind of when um, we also kind of start to get into more of like the subjective mm-hmm. part is because um, it's like, yes, you know, the liturgy and being objective and kind of like what the church says is also very objective mm-hmm. for kind of like how we're supposed to do things. Yeah. Um, but then once we kind of get to this point where we are very kind of, where we know what we're supposed to do, it kind of allows us to look into what what interests us. Mm-hmm. And I guess, I mean, even like the idea of learning about church documents and stuff like that, that's mm-hmm. maybe not mm-hmm. like uh prayerful subjectiveness but 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 then we can i don't know it it like allows us to actually go deeper into the things that that kind of call us or even you know if we're you know at mass and there's just something that like is pulling us in a certain direction we can be like oh actually like i want to look over
1: here Mm -hmm. yeah and and there's so many aspects of our faith so you could look at like all the social teachings of the church we don't really address that directly in Mass. I mean, we we can talk about it in preaching and so forth, but that's an aspect of our faith that we don't do in the Mass, right? Um, The whole area of how do you um, do evangelization. Like, Mass is not exactly a very evangelistic experience, typically. Most of the time, for people who are not Catholic coming to Mass, it's sort of like, it's sort of the opposite. It's like, I feel like everybody knows what they're doing except for me. And so... um, to talk about how do we evangelize, how do we, like all all these other sort of parts of Christianity, parts of Catholicism are out there that we don't necessarily talk about in the Mass. So it's very interesting when you bring up the subject of, like, there's a lot of areas that we don't experience on Sunday or in the Mass or in the public worship in the objective uh, prayer of the Church that are actually part of our Catholic faith. So, you know, it's... Uh, it, there's a lot, right? So we talk about the, the masses of source and summit, it's at the center, it's it's the most important. But sometimes we we focus on that so much or we think about that so much, oh, like I'm Catholic, I go to mass, okay. But do you do these other things? Are you aware of these other pieces and do you have that subject of part of your life where you're also engaged in learning the faith, sharing the faith, practicing the faith? Um, yeah, it's a it's a huge there's like a huge other part of being Catholic that we don't always talk about. So yeah, it's very interesting.
0: Yeah. And I think that kind of segues a little bit into the last kind of thought that I want to bring up, which is, you know, obviously right now in this COVID time where it's like not everyone is, uh, is coming uh, to the church to kind of participate in the objective prayer of the church Uh, and kind of in the, community church but then kind of talking a little bit about like the domestic church mm-hmm, yeah. and how like how we can even have kind of the objective liturgies within our kind of domestic church. Yeah. You know, like I I guess I don't know like do you have any any thoughts of that? Yeah. So the domestic church
1: obviously is the church of the family in the home and there's lots of things we can do um there are like more formalized things, like we could pray the rosary, we could pray the chaplet, um, we could read the readings for the day, um, we could reflect on these things. I think even something like decorating the Christmas tree, if that's something your family does, could be, in a sense, a liturgical thing or a prayerful thing or a, a, a part of our building up of our domestic church. You know, I remember that very distinctly, I think I shared with um, on last Wednesday when we did a little video. Uh, that's one of my memories growing up is decorating the tree and it seemed to take forever, but there are, there's something just having a tradition and we have lots of traditions, but um, developing traditions that kind of are part of our Catholic faith. So having like a holy water font in your house or having um, uh, saint pictures on the wall or you know like even the decor-, decor of our house can tell us and help us kind of enter into these little, um, subjective elements of our faith. So, um, yeah, I think developing that is is really important, especially for our children. That's part of the beauty of the of the, being Catholic is that it's sort of 3D. We have the smells and bells that people always call them, like, what are the things that help us to know we're in a Catholic space? You know, like, how do we see that? And so trying to develop that even in your home and your family and little traditions that kind of go with it I think is a wonderful way of kind of not just being Catholic, but living as Catholics and, and bringing it and making it part of our everyday lives. So,
0: Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I always think it's, uh, I, you know, I like hearing stories of uh, different kind of, just like families and like what they do or just little things that they mm-hmm. do, like as a family that, yeah. um, that just instill, yeah, the faith, and, and not in like a really grand way, but just in a yeah. very like ordinary way, and it's really beautiful.
1: Yeah, yeah. We, my family, <laughs> one of our paraliturgical things that we did was every Christmas Eve we go to mass, then we'd have dinner, and then we would do this thing that was kind of just weird, but we'd walk around our house as a par- in sort of parade format, singing christmas carols and holding like things like a cross or a candle or something that had to do with christmas or something and um and then we would sit down and read the christmas story and so it was uh, looking from the outside it's kind of like that's weird but it was sort of what our family did so uh, yeah, you have these little things that develop
0: yeah yeah and i think you know that's uh, another yeah, cool like because sub- it's objective, to a certain extent within the family, but then it's also very subjective to the family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so and and yeah, that's a great great mm-hmm. part about our. Was babe. there
1: was there anything in the Rota household that uh, was done at a certain time of the year? I mean,
0: we we definitely didn't parade around the house and you sing. Didn't? you didn't oh. Uh, huh. So I, I I can't say I can't say we did that. Uh, we I mean, we, d- we do have kind of like some. Tra- like things that have become traditions, but I don't know—not not, not like, kind of exclusively that were like Catholic, okay. <laughs> I yeah. guess. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm trying to think, especially for specifically for Christmas, if anything, yeah. Yeah. Um, or
1: Easter. Sometimes people have Easter traditions, or Saint Saint Patrick's, or Saint Nicholas, or I'm trying to think. It seems like some of these Saint days people have kind of picked up on and done certain things, but.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's always the St. Nicholas and, like, candy in the shoes Yeah, yeah. thing. We definitely did that. Sure. Hm. So.
1: Well, develop your own domestic church. Find ways to, to celebrate and to be together as family. I think that's a beautiful thing. And then also participate as much as we can in the public or the objective worship of the church. So,
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think, uh, you know, this is a great time to... To, be able to you know really kind of you know invest in that mm-hmm. domestic church um but also the the ob- objective liturgy also you know we're all we're we're all needed to mm-hmm. um with that so great well thank you father for for joining once again and yeah, um sharing your wisdom mm-hmm. and uh and uh, stories Wonderful traditions. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful tra- traditions. Hey, who, who knows? Maybe, maybe this Christmas we'll see a bunch of families yeah, praying maybe. around their house.
1: Here at St. Lawrence, Holy Family St. Joe's will be inspired.
0: Maybe we could do that as a community. We can just pray to maybe, other churches. Maybe we
1: should. No, I don't think we should. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, uh, yeah, Father, once again. And thank you, everyone, for for listening and being with us, uh, giving us your time. We really appreciate it. And Uh, Yeah, we will hope to talk with you all again next week.